What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. This is the Two Minute Drill recapping week five. I'm Dan Malin. I'm joined by James Grande. Grande, how's week five for you? Uh, DFS wise, it's, it's <laughs> ugly out there. It's consistently <laughs> ugly. Uh, I'm, I was fortunate that my NASCAR lineups made up for my NFL, my lone NFL lineup this week. Uh, but it, it was brutal for someone like me who only did about two hours of research. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, DFS was DFS. Um, I think, uh, I, in terms of DFS, I make my money come NBA season. Uh, that is definitely my most profitable part of the year. Uh, we were just talking, we're recording during the Monday night football game and I've had a good showing in showdown. I cashed the giant showdown, uh, against the Packers. And then I cashed, um, Sunday night football, but main slate was brutal. Seasonal again was a good week for me. I've had enough four to five good weeks. Um, shout out Travis Kelsey for just securing my, securing the bag. As the as the youth would say, Dan, uh, in a in a victory. So seasonal good, DFS 50-50 because showdown has been good, uh, but main slate uh, can't not so great, Bob. I'm almost with you. I remember I think I'm gonna say it was like like a week or two ago. <clears throat> we were talking about the main slate, and I every week I'll do five lineups. I'll do a cash lineup. I'll do three GPP lineups for three entry max, and then I'll do a single entry GPP lineup. Uh, basically, it's the Mike McClure method, and I've been subscribing to it for like the last two years, and, and it's been incredibly profitable. But cash games this year have been incredibly frustrating, whether it's uh, – I'm not going to rely on injuries too much because injuries are always a part of the game, but it's right. just the, the chalk is either falling flat, paying right. up the running back hasn't worked out. Uh, it's it's just been a little tougher against all the lineup trains because it's like they they have a heavier presence this year. Right. It's it's just it just hasn't been as good and and it's weird because honestly my biggest returns have been on my GPP lineups and so I think for a little while I'm just gonna lay off cash games, yep, and strictly just do like three line three GPP lineups, throw them into an array of you know twenty max contests, three max contests contests, uh, just ease off the the gas with cash games lately because on DK it it has been brutal. Um, and you know, last week was, was far worse than this week. At least I was able to collect some money back from other sports, but yeah, like GPPs showdowns, that's where I've had most of my success. The main slate cash games have been a nightmare for the most part. I mean, just look at like, if you take the last, um, and I think it's like two weeks ago, we get the Geno Smith lions game where, the, ever, the winning Millie Maker has six members of that game in the mm-hmm. lineup. And then you look at it this week in a game in Buffalo where, sure, like, if you had Josh Allen, good for you, you know. But, like, you're playing cash, right? Are you going to play Gabe Davis? Are you going to play Khalil Shakur? No, <laughs> you're going to play Stefan Diggs. But Stefan Diggs was not optimal this week. Although he had a good game, wasn't optimal based on price and based on what his teammates did so like yeah i mean that's that's frustrating that's tough to like um withstand i mean jalen hurts off to a great start and you know a lot of people's lineups and then does nothing in the second half i mean it's it's been a a really tough you know season to grasp tom brady had a touchdown to mike evans mike evans down at the one guess what happened i think he had had one to godwin too also down at the one yep and then we're we're both vultured so like it's 
it's really tough to overcome stuff like that when, you know, especially with someone like Tom Brady, who I was all over this week, I was on my timeline, um, has dominated Atlanta thoroughly um, for the last however many years, 28-3, dating back to the 28-3 Patriot days. But, like, um, with Brady, where he doesn't make it up on the ground, you can't make it up. And uh, it's really hurting cat. I mean, it's really hurting tournaments, hurting cash plays. It's um, So... Yeah, Dan, I think, uh, you know, as someone who does mainly play tournaments, I do have plans to play cash games for basketball this year, but like light. And I did that for baseball too, light. Like I do not, it, it's very hard to beat lineup chains unless you're playing single entries. But even then, like you said, you do play single entry cash games and you're still going up against lineup trains. So lineup providers aren't going anywhere. Um, so you just have to alter the way you play when faced with that uh, challenge. Well, transitioning from lineup trains to another kind of train, uh, Jason Hill <laughs> stole the show yesterday on the Week 5 slate. Uh, and I, as someone who has played Taysom Hill twice so far this season at tight end, to miss out on this performance was gut-wrenching. <laughs> Three touchdowns on the ground, threw for another. He was, he was pretty much a cheat code on Sunday. But here we are once again, and it, we're recording this during Monday Night Football. And I, I really hate when he does this because then you have to answer so many questions about, you know, is Taysom Hill a consistent starter every week? And I'm, I still can't buy into it simply because he's, he, he ranks as like a, I've heard a variety of, of where he ranks in tight ends. I've heard he's tight end three. I've heard he's tight end seven, but he only has one target on the year as a tight end. And uh, it's, it's so damn frustrating when you have to try and consider what this guy can do, because I played him during the London game and I was happy just to get one rushing touchdown out of right. him. And then I see him go off for four touchdowns. This week. <laughs> but you know, it's going to be the case. Like when you pick him up and you spend fab on him and you play him, he's going to do nothing. And then it's when you drop him or you leave him on your bench. That's, that's when he's going to go off. It's the ceiling is so high, but at the same time you could be eating, you know, maybe two or three points at the tight end position on a weekly basis. I mean, it's it's extremely tough because you look at the landscape of the tight end position, right? Like, let's say just for let's remove Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey, right? We're just taking them out of the equation off the top of your head. Who's been good this year at tight end? Consistent. Can let, uh, let, me, let me take that back. Consistent. Okay. <laughs> There's well, I mean, Kyle Pitts has been consistently bad. <laughs> fair. OK, that's uh, one. Conklin, maybe. Conklin, Tyler Higby, right? Those are probably like the first two names. Maybe like David Njoku has been pretty yeah. good over the last few weeks. But like, it's such a bad position that like, where I agree that generally it's like, well, there might be games where he just has four rushes. But what if those one of those go for a touchdown, like you said in the London game? Let's That's say basically what you're hoping for. And and you know what? It's working right now. Yeah. I mean, he has two. To your to your point, right now he ranks as tight end eight. Um, he has two top three finishes at the position. Granted, week five he's currently tight end one. That's obviously subject to change with Travis Kelsey still playing. Um, so we don't know what Travis Kelsey's going to do. But I mean, it's, unless Travis Kelsey has four touchdowns, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and and can Travis Kelsey recover a fumble and and make a game winning block? No, I don't think so. Um, but um, no, I mean, look. 
I agree, and it's very frustrating, especially for someone who owns Alvin Kamara or has Chris Olave or who has pass catchers on, you know, New Orleans. But I really do think we're getting to a point where Pat Fryermuth went out with an injury this year, concussion protocol. That's his third concussion in two years. Is is he going to play next week with these new sanctions and stuff in place? I don't think so. I mean, it's hard to pre- predict, like, injury, and I, I – We've talked about this. I don't really want to go down that path. But his third concussion in two years came off the field, instantly ruled out concussion. Um, Darren Waller tonight, rule uh, questionable to return. Haven't seen him on the field since, right? So that's two of the top presumed 12 tight ends out. Kyle Pitts out. Three of the top 12 presumed tight ends out. Um, I, know I'm miss- I know I'm missing somebody else. There was another tight end, Dalton Schultz. He went out. He was hobbling around, had to come off the field, limped off to the sideline. Logan Thomas was a late scratch. Like, the tight end position is really bad, and it's not getting any better, and and you're not safe, honestly. Two weeks from now, guess who returns? DeAndre Hopkins. All your Zach Ertz shares probably going to fall to a bottomless pit because he's already struggling. Uh, Well, I guess I shouldn't say struggling. He's been pretty consistent, but, I mean, we know DeAndre Hopkins is the big dog in that offense. I think Taysom Hill is a weekly start at tight end until he's not. And I know it's going to be different with Jameis. I was just looking at some stats. Um, week one with Jameis Winston on the on the field. He rushed um, for 80 yards. He rushed for 80 yards, 16 snaps. So, you know, not as much as we saw this week. Week two, Dan, was where we really saw the impact of, like, Taysom Hill where you were talking about, like, where he might not do anything and you're kind of relying on a touchdown. Six total snaps. Two as a quarterback, or two as a two as a receiver, one in pass protection, three rushes. So, like, you're going to have those weeks with Taysom Hill, especially that's with James Winston at quarterback, right? So, like, we have to take that into consideration. But two top, let's say, two finishes at the position, at a position that stinks— if you are in dire straits, you just lost somebody like a Waller, like a Fryermuth, like a Schultz. He's viable, whether we want him to be, because I think the most of us don't want him to be. Um, whether we like that or not, I, I do think Taysom Hill is going to be viable in fantasy. And for you and I and the rest of the fantasy community, we're going to have to answer questions about him the rest of the year. It just is what it is. And unless there's... I mean, seriously, unless there's like a clear cut matchup that we like somebody in, Taysom Hill is going to probably be a better option than them. <laughs> All right, let's transition to uh, Seattle. Rashad Penny goes down. Uh, I heard it was a broken tibia uh, in his leg. I think it was a, I think they announced it was officially a fibula. Uh, I think it was uh, a clean break and they announced uh, out for the year. That absolutely sucks, especially coming off the game he had last yeah. week against Detroit. But. Kenneth Walker time uh, in Seattle. Uh, obviously, we have questions that we want to answer, like what's the upside, how much fab should you spend? But if you take away a 69-yard run in week four, he's averaging just 3.5 yards per carry. Uh, but there's no arguing against the volume, and that is a big aspect of fantasy football running back success. You don't need to be the most talented player. If you have opportunity and touches, you're going to be – at worst, a flex play, but we're going to be talking about Kenneth Walker as a potential RB2 the rest of the way. Uh, so do you think he can finish as a top 15 running back, and how much fab are you spending on Walker if he's available in your league? 
do do you want the num do you want the exact number if he's available? I'm guess I've heard on various sites it ranges from like fifty to like fifty eight percent. I'm going a hundred percent of my fab. Here's why. Like do you, do you know like there's the theories that like after week one is the best time to spend all your to to maximize your fab spending, right? Because it's like, okay, these guys could be like injuries and whatever and then there's players that take over and then it's like you're never going to get a better opportunity to on the waiver wire than after week one that is true until somebody like kenneth walker comes around who is already presumably going to be a guy that took this job by whenever we saw rashad penny get hurt next essentially right um because that's what everyone was waiting for everyone was waiting for their shot penny injury and as unfortunate as it is it happened again um now this was obviously a a bad luck injury is like instead of one of those nagging injuries that Rashad Penny's had seemingly every year. Um, but Kenneth Walker is electric. Uh, he was electric in college. He can, he gets into the end zone. Uh, he's a powerful dude. He's fast. Um, he can catch passes out of the backfield. It's a really good offense. I know. I don't think we expected to say that about Seattle. It is a really good offense where Geno Smith looks like, I mean, just a literal different player than he's ever looked in his whole life. Um, I would spend, a, a, and another position that's injury riddled, right? I mean, I, I know I traded for Jonathan Taylor in a league. I was without him this past week, scrambling to get somebody in there. Um, people lost Javante Williams. Um, I mean, there's been a, a plethora of injuries at the position, plus all the you know, plus all the the combos of guys like, oh, Brees Hall is a guy, but Michael Carter still gets two touchdowns on the goal line. Um, I mean, all these Leonard Fournette and Rashad White su suddenly in like a timeshare. Like there's so many timeshares. There's so many guys that um, Kenneth Walker is the guy. Like there is no one there. D DJ Dallas is going to play on passing downs, I think, occasionally. I think he played three passing snaps um, after Rashad Penny got hurt. Um, but you're not going to find an RB1 or potential RB2 just sitting on your waiver wire like this. So, um, look, if you're uncomfortable spending 100% of your fab, I get it. But not many opportunities are going to just fall into your lap like this. Like, if you are the top priority waiver, spend as much money as you possibly can to acquire an RB2 with RB1 upside. I don't know if you if you feel as strongly as I do, but I mean, I do because you know we we try to be careful when we throw around this term, and I've I've been burned on it in the past, most notably like a year or two ago when I applied it to Chase Claypool. Uh, but Kenneth Walker shapes up to be a league winner. I had low expectations for Seattle. And their offense this year, I didn't think that Geno's – well, you know, to be fair, nobody really thought – No, I don't think really anybody did. Except maybe Geno and his mom. <laughs> um, but, you know, well, Pete Carroll coming into the year thought he had, uh, like, True. two QB1s. True, uh, True. But anyway, yeah, you look at this situation, and the Seattle offense has held up great so far. I'm still not completely sold in the offensive line, but they actually haven't been terrible. It's kind of like a bend-but-don't-break mentality. Right. Um, the offense does look great. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett look like, man, I can't believe it. Like if we were talking about just avoiding them altogether in fantasy and like, it's, it's just a renaissance in Seattle. 
but given the workload and just the pure like talent pedigree of Kenneth Walker, you have to assume that he could probably finish uh, as a high-end RB2, low-end RB1 from here on out. Uh, but I do want to transition to another rookie running back, one that you briefly touched on. And uh, I'm of the mindset that, you know, last week I was willing to buy high on Brees Hall. I still yep. subscribe to that theory. Uh, he has 39 total touches in his last two games. And you did mention that Michael Carter uh, stole a couple goal line carries for a pair of touchdowns. But those came on very long Brees Hall runs. Yep. So it's, if he can just make it one extra yard, he's he's the one in the end zone. So I'm still fine buying high on Brees Hall because if he does score, you're probably going to have to pay an even bigger price. And I'm still not that worried about Michael Carter because even when Michael Carter uh, scored his touchdowns, Brees Hall was still on the field. Are you okay buying high on Brees Hall? Yeah, and I, I wasn't. It wasn't necessarily me being like concerned necessarily about Carter scoring the touchdowns because I know they just came after like plays where Brees Hall does not have any gas left in the tank after the runs that he was going through and the people that he was plowing through like bowling pins. Um, yeah, I mean. I wanted to buy Brees Hall a couple weeks ago when his snap share went from 20 to like 50%. I was like, whoa, like that was a big deal. And then they get Wilson back and it goes from 50 to 65%. You're like, okay, this is clearly like a transition together, right? Like Zach, we're getting Zach Wilson back and we're putting Brees Hall in the field. Like we're getting as many playmakers on the field as possible. Yeah. I mean, I also think that the window is probably closed. I think unless you're selling unless you're coming to someone who like desperately needs a receiver and giving them anything but like a wide receiver one um it's going to be hard to acquire Brees Hall I think if you have Brees Hall right now you're extremely happy I mean he's currently RB8 in standard he's currently RB7 in PPR um and that's coming off you know a week he's only been over 50% of the snaps in in two games so uh wheels up for Brees Hall and you know, if you can buy, buy, and I wouldn't be selling. I, I think it's just nothing but up from here for Brees Hall. Who do you think has the better finish rest of season, Kenneth Walker or Brees Hall? Um, I am pretty certain Brees Hall finishes a top 12 running back, and I would probably put Kenneth Walker in, like, top 15 range. So I'll go Brees Hall, but um, it wouldn't be surprised if either of them – or both of them finished RB1s. All right, I want to briefly talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars because everybody everybody that has been watching football this year thought the Jaguars were in a great spot uh, in both season-long and DFS. I played two of them in my cash lineup, and that's a big reason why I didn't find myself <laughs> in the green. Uh, but James Robinson has seen back-to-back -back weeks of under 30 yards rushing. It was also a very frustrating game for, Tra for Christian Kirk. Uh, Travis Etienne has been getting more work. Uh, even though the Jags is a team in a great matchup against Houston, just absolutely laid an egg. But has the torch officially been passed to uh, ETN? Uh, are we? Are we? Is is it maybe a time to try and see what you can get for James Robinson because it hasn't looked good the last couple of weeks, and we may have just been overhyping the Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because the snap. The snaps are clearly going towards ETN. They're trending in the wrong direction for Robinson. Yeah, yeah. Um, ETN over 50% the last two weeks. Robinson under or floating around 40% the last two weeks. Um, 
I don't want to say it's, you know, James Robinson is dead because he's been so good. Um, it's also been kind of boomer bust though. Like he's had a couple big runs to really pat, uh, pad his stats. And ETN is not a guy. I mean, ETN can just catch seven balls for 50 yards and call it a day. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I think ETN was being drafted higher for a reason. I think the upside was always there with ETN compared to James Robinson. Um, I'm not yeah, like, are there 24 better running backs than James, Rob, James Robinson? I mean, we have to start two running backs, right? Essentially in every league that we, we all play in, I mean, obviously minus funky scoring leagues and whatnot, but I don't think there are 24 or I should, yeah, I don't think there are 24 backs better than James Robinson, even with like, even in a timeshare with ETN, I guess it would be close. Um, even if he's like RB 25, 26, 27, like he's I'm still, still flex play. Yeah. He's still a flex play. Um, it's obviously, you know, a little, I mean, that was the dream matchup and he yeah. just sucked. And <laughs> I don't know, like there's nothing else. I mean, Jacksonville in general did, um, you know, we had the, the Trevor Lawrence where he needed to just throw the ball away and he throws the worst interception you'll ever see in your life. Um, Maybe that turns into a James Robinson touchdown the next play. Who knows? Uh, he still gets goal line work and whatnot. But if you can sell James Robinson, sure. But, you know, what are you getting in return? If you need receivers, sure. But what is the equal return if you're trading him for a running back? Like That I don't That I don't know. And for that reason, like I, you know. You're Antonio Gibson. Probably not. No, I, no, I'm all out. I So I'm all out on Antonio Gibson. I mean. Look what happened. I mean, James Ro- or Brian Robinson comes back. By the way, the most badass entrance instantly got more touches than him too. And and can we just talk about the entrance? I don't know if you saw the entrance, but he came out to many men by fifty nice. percent, and it was like the coolest thing ever because they let him come out on the field after everybody else, and it was just like goose the most goosebump moment you'll ever. I mean, five weeks ago the guy was shot like in cheer like Brian Robinson like you're uh, inspiration to everyone, but. 32% of the snaps for Antonio Gibson. I mean, it's here. You ready for the, you ready for the five week snap share of Antonio Gibson? Go for it. Week one, 64. Week two, 54. Week three, 44. Week four, 41. Week five, 32. No. <laughs> no, to your question. I would rather have James Robinson. I know Antonio Gibson has still somehow given us seven plus fantasy points in all those matchups. Um, but. Uh, he's going to be walking into a lot more special teams rooms uh, meetings moving forward with Brian Robinson back. So let's uh, you and I can take some collective victory laps here because your New York Giants went to London, shocked the world and beat the (laughs) Packers. Uh, My New England Patriots held the most explosive offensive football or one of them (laughs) to zero points. Uh, What a weekend for us. Uh, Go us, Dan. Go go us. us. (laughs) Uh, but you, uh, you in our notes for the podcast, you asked, "Am I stashing Wandale Robinson or Kadarius Tony?" It's got to be Robinson for me at this point, only because, like, I don't know what the issue is with Tony. I don't follow the team as closely as you do. Uh, the injuries persist with Tony. We saw the one massive game he had last year, and until he can give us a, another performance like that, like he's his GFS is always going to be super cheap and. I was 
when it first came out for week one and he was 4,100 on DraftKings, I was like, that's way too cheap yep. to drive his upside. But uh, obviously he's had an issue staying on the field. So right now I'm more interested in, in Wandale Robinson. But honestly, I don't have too many too much interest in any Giants nor Patriots, although I know there were a couple guys we were talking about in the Patriots beforehand uh, that you're interested in. But I would love to see Daniel Bellinger get a much bigger role in the Giants because – when you just watch him play with the ball in his hand, like he just passes the eyeball test. He's mm-hmm. down, he's big. He scored a rushing touchdown this past week. Uh, he only had three targets this past week, but I mean, Saquon Barkley and Darius Slayton were the only players to have more than three. Uh, and Daniel Jones only threw it 20 times in a competitive game. That gives me some concern. But if, if I'm just watching a, a tight end that I really like, Bellinger is actually a very impressive player. A guy that I would love to see get a bigger workload. Until then... Can't really do anything for him in season-long fantasy, but as far as the eyeball test goes, he passes it. So I'm I'm probably a little higher on Bellinger. Um, I don't disagree. Like, yeah, the targets haven't been great, but five, three, three, and then in one of the games where he only has one target, he scores a touchdown. He's had nine or more fantasy points and three of his last four games, which I think, you know, is pretty good. I also think the thing to consider week one, he's only on special teams, but he was coming back from the injury week two. He plays 58% of the snaps week three and four plays 60 week five, Dan this week, 74% of the snaps um, ran 20 routes on 27 passes. So like, that Tanner Hudson, where like Tanner Hudson was running all these routes and Daniel Bellinger was like running routes, but also blocking, that shifted where Tanner Hudson played, ran 15 of 27 routes. Daniel Bellinger played, ran 20. Um, I also think getting Wandale, getting Tony, uh, Tony Hamstring, I don't know if you saw he changed his name legally to Kadarius Tony Hamstring um, because that's all he has. He's always hampered with hamstring injuries. So, He's now changing his name legally. Whatever. Um, but I think Bellinger, when those guys come back, it's just things are going to open up for Bellinger even more. Who do the offense, who do defense need to target on or hone in on? Daniel Bellinger and apparently Darius Slayton. And that's it because the offense stinks. And Saquon Barkley, obviously. So um, I do have interest in Bellinger. Again, it's a, it's a really bad position and he's scoring touchdowns. He's the only guy other than Saquon scoring touchdowns right now. So um, in a really desperate Move if you have Fryermuth, have Schultz. Taysom's not available. I think Bellinger is a like 14 team league stash. I agree on Wandell. He's the receiver that this regime drafted. You know, they took him in the second round. They didn't draft Tony last year. That was um, the previous they who must not be named uh, regime. So, um, yeah, I think I think Wandell is a stash. In one league, I'm actually stashing both. Um, only because I have the bench spots, I have the the IR spots available. Um, and uh, what Dan, I do, I do have to ask though, if they're both out again, do you dare? Let's say twelve to fourteen team league. Do you dare look at Darius Slayton on the waiver wire? Six receptions, uh. six receptions, seventy nine yards, um, and he would have the one target that did he did not catch would have been an 80-yard touchdown if he just turned his head. Yeah. And you commented. I tweeted out, and then you commented on it. You it don't have to read what I said. <laughs> it literally would have been an 80-yard touchdown if he just looked at the football. Um, and then he proceeded to catch the next six passes after that and shut me up. So 
Uh, would in like a 12 14 team league, if you're desperate, would you consider Darius Slayton if there's no Robinson, if there's no Tony? Yeah, it would have to be a 14 team league. I don't think I'd have any interest in a 12 team league, definitely not a 10 teamer. Um, because the narrative with the Giants pass catchers, especially in, in DFS every week, is that you can pay down for these pass catchers like Richie James, or <laughs> no one's paying down for uh Sills, but I mean, they need pass catchers like uh. And so I was I was a little surprised when I looked at the showdown slate and I saw Darius Slayton's price tag and so I wrote him up and uh, I was pretty happy with with the return right. he did and like we've seen him have big games in the past yep. too he's been a pretty decent deep threat on that team uh, but I know you have your concerns um, fourteen team league I could see it I don't okay. know how often I'd play him. Um, it obviously wouldn't be with a ton of confidence either because I, I no. haven't really loved how much the Giants have allowed Daniel Jones to throw the ball. And when you have Saquon Barkley, who looks every bit as good as who he was three, four years ago, yep. you don't really need to be forcing the ball deep. No, and Saquon's the QB1. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's RB1, QB1. So uh, speaking of our running back, how about your team, Dan? Some running back... Uh, some exciting things going on. What about Some exciting things going on, except I played Damian Harris in my cash game. <laughs> so yet another reason why my cash lineup uh, went to complete garbage this weekend. But uh, I'm not going to dwell too much on that because I won't ever complain about my cash lineup not hitting if a player gets hurt. It's out of my hands. I can't, can't see it happening. But in his place, Ramondre Stevenson had a hell of a game, 26 carries for 161 yards, and he caught a pair of passes as well. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be the concern that no matter who's healthy, who's injured for the Patriots, is that the, it'll always turn into a committee somehow. But Bill <laughs> Belichick even gave uh, Stevenson a pretty, like, a big endorsement uh, at his presser on Monday. And so I think, like, Ramondre Stevenson is a must-start player going forward. Um, I don't know the schedule off the top of my head. Uh, they have the Browns next week, then the Bears and the Jets and the Colts. I'm pretty sure you can run effectively. I mean, we just saw Austin Eckler talk about the Browns. Uh, the Bears' defense isn't great, but they've relied on uh, some big plays. Uh, still not too worried about the Jets, Colts, maybe. But ultimately, like, it's a friendly schedule. He will get fed. They're still not going to allow Bailey Zappi or Brian Orr or Mac Jones, like whoever right. is quarterback. They're not going to allow them to be throwing it too much. So. Going forward, I mean, you almost like it's without question you're locking Ramondre Stevenson into your lineup, and you can feel good about it while Damian Harris is out. Uh, but you seem a little more bullish on Jacoby Myers than I am, because this is where I am worried about who's throwing the ball. I mean, like I don't disagree, but like there's obviously going to be some concern with Jacoby Myers because I think with all Patriot pass catchers, who's going to be throwing him the ball? Billy Zappi looked like he sling it a little bit. Um, and we know Mac Jones can sling a little bit. And when you look at what Jacoby Myers has done in the three games he's been on the field this year, 80% snaps or more, including a 90% snap this game. Um, six or more targets, 6-13-8 are the three uh, games in which he's played this year. 7-9-4 receptions. Two games in which he's had 95 or more yards. Jacoby Myers, the underneath route guy, has a 24-yard reception or better in all three games. Um, 
So, you know, 13 yards per reception for a guy who's only running a few yards off the line, not too shabby. So if we're going to continue to get all this stuff from Jacoby Myers um, that's suggesting that he's not just an underneath guy and he's going to get volume, but also kind of stretch the field. And also the caveat, the cherry on top, score a freaking touchdown. Um, I mean, yeah, I think Jacoby Myers has a chance to be a low end wide receiver too high-end wide receiver three weekly, um, which means weekly start, because if he's a wide receiver three, he's likely going to be starting in your flex. Uh, I think he has some pretty favorable matchups, especially, you know, considering how good he's been. Um, So, yeah, I I do like Jacoby Myers. Um, And if Bailey Zappi can get him the ball that way, I mean, Mac Jones can definitely get him the ball when Mac Jones is back. All right. We've gone a little bit long in the podcast, so let's – we'll go through a little bit of a rapid fire just to wrap it up waiver wire ads who are your favorites this week i see that you uh are a little uh bullish on damian williams coming off ir uh following week six yeah i mean i like um damian williams we'll see there was a report where he said like uh you know i'm kind of my i'm mentally there we have to be there physically too so we'll see um where damian williams is i love eno benjamin we have to find out what James Connors rib injury is and and Dave and Darrell Williams knee injury how uh, serious both those are but if either of those guys miss time you know Benjamin looked awfully good in that game against Philly um Alec Pierce had a great performance on Thursday night do we really want to trust a secondary pass catcher from you know Indianapolis I don't know but if Jonathan Taylor misses any more time I mean Matt Ryan might be forced to throw uh, especially with Naheem Hines out too, like no Hines, no Taylor, and Pierce becomes a guy, maybe a, a deep league ad. Obviously, Kenneth Walker is the number one ad of the week. We, you know, we don't need to go through that, but number one ad on the week. Um, Rashad White, I mean, the the playing time has been tremendous for him, and Leonard Fournette asked for it. He asked the Tampa Bay Bucks to give Rashad White more time. That seems that seemingly coming true. And uh, we talked about Taysom Hill. I think he's in play. I think Daniel Bellinger is in play. Both giant receivers, Wandale and Tony, probably available on your waiver wire more than likely. And then Hayden Hurst, um, old reliable. I liked him going in the landing spot, going to Cincinnati. We saw CJ Uzama with big games last year, even with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins healthy. Um, I don't know if it's T. Higgins dependent, but you know the correlation of Hayden Hurst being great and then T. Higgins not playing when everyone thought he was going to play on uh, Sunday night was, you know, maybe something to consider. But I do think Hayden Hurst, given the tight end, scarcity is in play. All right. You got any believe it or not? No, we, we'll save him for next week. We'll we'll, cool. we'll leave the people on the, on the cliffhanger just because uh, we ran a little long here. All right. Well, Grande, thank you so much for your time. Congrats to your Giants. Best of luck to you in week six. And best of luck to the FA Nation.